Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Riddler has texted us on the Ashley Five Floors text line. It's 1233 in Edmonton. What the hell is going on, Stoffer? This show is Oilers Now. Not brush with greatness now. What is going on? Uh, well, I will tell you what is going on. It is July the 11th. That is what's going on. Uh, we have Frank Saravalli. We are going to talk some hockey. You know, brush with greatness can actually be, you know, meeting some of the players as well along the way. That said, for me, you know, Tom Cochran maybe, Gord Downey, Robin Williams, those are going to be some of the guys. We are going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are going to hook up with Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravelli, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta, live Thunderbred uh, Thoroughbred Racing, back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? Pretty good, Bob. So what? I just was briefly getting an intro, brush with greatness. You, yeah. You've actually brushed upon greatness? Well, I mean, no one's brushed upon greatness when they've met. Though I have had a couple people send in photos. from. Uh, I mean, when when they met me, there, there's, I have another texter saying, couldn't you at least discuss the Bakersfield-Condors line combinations uh, on July the 11th? So here's what I got for you. I got Lane Peterson with Drake Cajula and Xavier Borgo, Malone with Lavoie and Griffith, Hamlin with Savoy and Petrov and uh, Groob with McKeg and Tulio. There you go. I did that for the texter that wanted the Bakersfield lines. Do you have any... Bri- I mean, you're a Philadelphia guy. I don't know if Bill Burr counts. Uh, apparently, I tell too many Bill Burr stories, but uh, who do you got for Brush With Greatness? Uh, I've... Little known fact, I've twice celebrated my birthday with the Great One. Does that count? Uh, well, obviously, he needs to be more discriminant with who he mer- uh, meets at certain times, Frank. That's what I'd say. I agree. I'm going to have to talk to him. So uh, so w- what about, like, you know, anybody in the entertainment industry outside of sport? Not really. I'll say at the NHL Awards a couple weeks ago, I'm a big, big country music fan. So being backstage and kind of you know, sitting in the the makeup room at the same time as, uh, you know, I just watched the Jelly Roll special on Hulu. Oh, okay, sorry, thing. who is Jelly Roll? Who, I, I've never heard of Jelly So educate me here, help me out. I, I guess I'm an old fogey. Who is Jelly Roll? What's a Jelly Roll? So he's a, uh, well, some, some may have at some points described me as Jelly Roll. Yes. Um, I would say he's a former rapper turned country music star and he's been in jail 40 times and is has an incredible story uh the documentary is outstanding and so he was backstage singing i was standing there with dirk bentley a whole host of incredible musicians and athletes and just me over there up against the wall and you had a problem eating a hot chicken sandwich yeah, that was a little much. So it wasn't actual play acting. It was it was the case. It was real. No, no. Like they told me beforehand, they said, "Look, uh, to play it up, like 
we're this this chicken's going to be a ten out of ten hot. Okay. And it was like legitimately spicy. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, there you go. So you're gonna go with Jelly Roll and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, I guess that counts. Yeah. Daryl has Texas. So here's the thing. I don't I don't ever like I, I've been in the orbit of lots of people, I guess, in the entertainment industry. And you don't bug them, do you? I've never said a word. My wife's always like, "Well, why didn't you ask for a picture?" I'm like, I, "Why would I do that? I don't want to do. I don't want to be that guy." So you know, you know who Chris Jericho is, the wrestler. Yes. So we were at the Keg in Calgary uh, before the start of the season. It would have been Keith Kretzky's first year, so it would have been 2016. And, uh, you know, first regular season game in Calgary that year was on a, I think it was like whatever it was, like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And I spotted Chris. And now I'm not a photo guy. Like if people come and ask me to get a photo, fine, as long as it's not in a bar or a casino, because that's, you know, we'll take it outside or we can take it in the arena or whatever. And, and that's, you know, and I'm just a guy. I'm not, hey, it's not like, hey, I got to get Stoffer's photo. That'd be like number 2,433 for most people out there. Uh, so I'm not a photo guy myself. I'm like you. I'm like, nah, we're not. So I go to, I go up to Chris and I go, hey, um, man, what's it like being the son of a guy? whose father fought Larry Robinson. And he said, that is as good an introduction as possible. So I went back to the table with a couple other media fellows that I was with, and they belittled me for going over and bothering Chris Jericho. And then about 30 minutes later, they sent me about six pictures that they took with Chris Jericho. So I thought that was pretty funny that they did that. See, that's entirely on brand for you. Like, I would totally believe that you went and interrupted Chris Jericho's dinner. He, He was by himself, and he did not have any food yet, just to establish just to establish, because okay. there is etiquette in this way. Again, we're getting people. You're got Frank Cerebelli on talking about brushes with greatness. Damn it, there's breaking stuff going on in the NHL right now, and Frank has to bring it. Frank, what's going on at this time? I'm um, trying to double check my phone to see if I missed anything. In the meantime, I think it's been rather quiet today, unless I'm, unless the Kevin Mandelaze signing in Ottawa is what gets you going. Wow. Uh, what do you think of the Brinkett trade to the Detroit Red Wings? I thought for Detroit to hold out and get a deal that they found suitable um, really made a lot of sense. It speaks to the leverage that the player has in this situation. You know, whether it's one year away from signing an extension. Uh, or one year away from hitting free agency or actually being one year away from free agency, players have incredible leverage and power that they're using. And it was really clear that Alex DeBrinket wanted to find a path to Detroit. He's a Farmington Hills, Michigan kid, grew up rooting for the Red Wings, and kind of just like the same situation that the Montreal Canadiens were in a few weeks back with Pierre-Luc Dubois, they basically said, look, if you want to come here, that's great. We'd be happy to have you, but we're not going to overpay to make it happen. And when you compare the price paid year over year for Ottawa, one year of DeBrinket giving up the number seven overall pick, Kevin, who turned out to be Kevin Korchinski, plus a second and a third, to what's likely to be a late first-round pick this time around, um, the prospects involved, Dominic Kubalik, uh, it, there's really not a whole ton that went from Ottawa to or from Detroit to Ottawa to make this happen. And I also found 
the extension or the new contract four years times seven, eight, seven, five to be really reasonable. So it had to be painful for Ottawa to, to pull the trigger and get this moving in that direction because not only is the return unenviable, it's also a spot where you've now just aided a team that's not only in your division, but is trying to break out of the same cycle that you are from a rebuilding team into a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting with Detroit, uh, the team with the worst record in the NHL over the last five years, Frank. Mm-hmm. Detroit. It- uh, and I did not like. I, I look at what they paid. Uh, who did they sign? It used to be a, a cop. Uh, what they paid for cop, and then what they paid for cop. And I was like, wow. And then the deal that they did for Justin Hall on the back end. I was like, Oof. like those three signings to me were a little off. But in the case of DeBrinket, he is a legitimate goal scorer. I get that signing. So I think I think uh, Detroit won the trade. I don't like all the work that Eisman's. Uh, Agreed. Agreed? All right. Well, that makes for boring radio. In Ottawa's case... I mean, I said yesterday on my podcast that Detroit essentially has Mo Sider on the back end plus five third-pair defensemen. And And people were all over me saying, haven't you watched Jake Wallman? And and yes, I have. But the answer is, on a really good Stanley Cup contending team, Jake Wallman is still a third-pair defenseman. Well, I 100% agree. Uh, there has been a minor development with Ottawa Troyman. Uh, his, okay, there was Trent and there was Troyman. Which one got let go first? Troy was the coach in Belleville that was let go, and Trent Mann was the assistant GM. And he is no longer with the organization as well. Uh, they've, Anthony LeBlanc is uh, no longer in a senior executive role on the business side for the Ottawa Senators. Does this come part and parcel with the Michael Andelar ownership situation? Yeah, I think there's. you're beginning to see some changes. People are starting to understand some of the writing on the wall. There will be people that will be replaced. There will be new positions created. Uh, people hired, and it's all going to begin to, you know, to happen relatively soon. We're talking September is most likely for everything to be completed on the sales side, including the Board of Governors approval. So uh, now that we're getting closer to mid-July, you know, things are going to start to ramp up on that front. Is Eric Carlson going to get traded this summer, Frank? You know, It certainly seems like the San Jose Sharks, according to the number of people that I've spoken to around the league, are pretty eager to get something done. And I still, I don't think it's even quite at 50-50 yet to think that something's definitely going to happen because as far as I can tell, the Sharks are still looking for a quality return for Carlson. And you know, there's been different teams that have been in the mix that have been able to personally speak to Carlson, uh, that the Sharks have granted permission to try and get something going. Uh, Carolina is one. Pittsburgh is another. I believe he's also talked to the Seattle Kraken. There was some reporting out there today from Rob Rossi suggesting that he believes the Penguins are Carlson's preferred destination. Um, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have also been in the mix, but to a way lesser extent. And, 
if you think about it from that perspective or even just looking at what Carolina is up to, like that trade for Tony D'Angelo hasn't been processed yet. And I think Carolina's got a bunch of different balls in the air. Brett Pesci's name has been out there. Um, you know, the fascinating thing for me about Carlson and Carolina is you just had Burns and Carlson together on the same blue line in San Jose, and it really didn't seem to work. It seemed like they were choking the oxygen out of each other's game. And now Carolina's potentially considering putting them back together again. And by the way, having San Jose potentially pay a chunk of their blue line um, to play. So there's a lot of stuff going on on the Carlson front. I, it's ultimately going to come down to what does what do the San Jose Sharks value? Do they begin to properly value the cap space and flexibility of getting off of that contract? Are they hell bent on getting a significant return? Um, there's a lot of things to consider from San Jose's perspective. Uh, a texter is taking issue with you, Frank. He's saying late first-round pick back from Detroit. Has Frank watched the Red Wings? It's actually the lesser, it's the later of Detroit's pick or Boston's pick since Detroit holds both. And my guess is, although the Bruins probably won't be as good as they were this past season, setting an NHL record in the regular season in points and wins, I still think they're probably a playoff team, and that pick probably falls somewhere in the 20s. Uh, Does Brett, that count as late? Yes. Brett from Grand Cash. Is Grand Cash where Dean McCammond was from? I'm just trying to think. He says, Bob, uh, what you're showing off with the lines of Bakersfield. That's not showing off. Give me the projected lines for the Fort Wayne Comets. Huh. That, that might be tougher. I mean, that's... Yeah. That, By the way, Lane Pe- Lane Peterson, great kid. I love that pickup. Yep. Yep. Again, you Quality can quality t- organizational depth. Well, there we go. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That's the Ashley Five Floors text line. We are joined currently by Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Live uh, Racing taking place. Oh yes, indeed. Every Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Sarah, what kind of markets out there for Thomas Noshik? Uh, multiple teams trying to get him for relatively cheap. Do you think? Yes, but my understanding was Noshik was looking for something north of $2 million a year on a <laughs> multi-year deal. So that explains maybe why he's lingered out there a bit. Um, that was obviously too rich for Boston, but um, I think a nice little depth piece. Yeah, but you, you don't think there's any way he signs with an organization for, say, one year at 1.25. He'll be able to get something higher than that. I think he's – whether he does or, or doesn't, his sights have been set on higher than that. I can say that. Yeah. Travis Konechny, does he get traded this summer? I don't think so. Um, I think if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened at the draft. Um, there were a number of teams that were interested but not willing to pay the – rightly high price that the Flyers have set on Travis Konechny and I think they're also perfectly comfortable keeping him like that's not an asset that's going to diminish in value anytime soon I don't think. Where does Vladimir Tarasenko end up? Some people think it will be in Ottawa. 
You know, I, I think it'd be an interesting fit in Ottawa. Um, they've got the cap space. They could use the goal scoring after Debrinket left, and in some ways, this is the alternative view to what I said right off the top of our conversation about how disappointing the return was for Debrinket. If you could take potentially and hypothetically Kubalik, who gives you 15 to 20, and Tarasenko pencil him in for 25, I think is reasonable. Um, what you're looking at is potentially replacing Debrinket and also doing it with less strings attached and less term for sure. I had real questions about whether or not the Sens could, how many $8 million players can they afford to pay? And some of those contracts, by the way, are going to look really, really good in short order for the Sens that maybe they kind of, in some ways, although the return was disappointing, saved themselves from themselves by moving on and having him decide that he wants to play elsewhere. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Do you think the Edmonton Oilers have improved their team? I mean, they've lost Yamamoto, and they've lost Costin. Um, they have the same goaltending, the same D. They still have David Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. Kane will be healthier. I think we'd agree Brown's an update uh, uh, upgrade on Yamamoto, uh, but they don't have Bukestead. What do you think, Frank? I think they're the same. I think there's no net change. I think Brown's going to be a huge addition. I think when you look at the top nine overall, Yamamoto and Costin out just depletes your depth just a little bit. And I think for whatever reason, the Oilers kind of finally figured out the depth part of the puzzle last year. So I don't want to overstate the impact of those two guys because I think you can also find similar replacement at a less expensive price. Um, and I don't also don't want to understate the impact of Brown. So I kind of feel like it's a net, a net neutral, if not um, a slight improvement with the addition of Brown. Great stuff, Frank. Appreciate your time. Cam and uh, Brendan will have you next week. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good one, Bob. You bet. It is 1251 in Evans. We'll be back in four minutes. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 1256 in Edmonton, Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott with you. We are going to open up the phone lines at 105 at 780-496-0063. Are the Edmonton Oilers better? That is uh, one of the questions that we're going to ask. I think it'd be tough to say they're better and they're quite similar. Um, and uh, you can also maybe take a little bit of a rundown that brush with greatness uh, as well. So we will have a little bit of open line discussion uh, with where the orders sit here in the summer at this time, uh, where your general confidence level is with the team. You know, this is pretty much going to be the team. I mean, there might be a fourth-line center added once the contracts get done for both Bouchard and McLeod. I mean, those guys are going to be here at the start of the year. Of course, Bouchard doesn't have arbitration rights. McLeod does arbitration August the 4th for McLeod in the second hour of the show, Hart Levine. Do want to go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandise specialist. Head to Elite Promo Marketing. We'll tell you Tyler Benson signed yesterday an AHL deal. He had 23 points in 43 games 
in the American League. So he started the year with the Oilers last season. Don't forget, him and Hamlin each got like 10 games in at the start of the year. And uh, Tyler Benson, an American League deal, so did not get an NHL contract, and he will play for the Vegas Golden Knights farm team in Henderson. That's uh, There ain't a lot happening other than that. Uh, the fact that Troy Mann is out as assistant GM of the uh, Ottawa Senators as well. It has been quiet, to say the least. Again, that's NHL Today for our friends at Elite uh, Promotional Marketing. All season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is presented by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, of course, uh, multiple time. CFL All-Star won a great cup in 93 with the ever-loving Eskimos, as Brian Hall used to call them uh, back in the day. He's hurting for certain right now, watching his Elks 0-5 to start the year. Uh, James H. Brown, 250-plus years of experience. It's this simple. They're the best at what they do. And guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef L. Taft that Oilers now sent you. So here's what we're going to do. 105, we'll open up the phone lines. What do you think of where the Oilers are at right now? I mean, I think most of us think they should be a top eight team. Are they better, the same? I've got some interesting perspectives on guys like Lavoie. We'll get to some of those texts, and we'll also revisit a little bit with a brush with greatness, but not before we go off to a global news weather traffic update. Randy Gilbert. 